You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Good morning, Getting in the Word. Hope you're doing well. Welcome to the show. We are privileged to have you as always. It's a blessing to be Uh, in the saddle, preaching God's Word. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, We are delighted to have you. Uh, If you haven't had a chance, share, share, share. Uh, Let's try to fill the room, get as many people as we can so that we can uh, share the hope of Christ. And that's our desire. If you're joining us for the first time, you may wonder, why am I muted? Well, we keep the, the chat muted during the message, but we will open the chat right after the fact, uh, and we can discuss the message that was taught. And so we are continuing our study this morning in the book of Jonah, and uh, and I pray that you, uh, that if you um, are joining us for the first time, that you'll uh, continue all the way through the end. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and uh, and we're grateful for you. So um, is anybody else having a problem hearing me? I see Colleen just texted, uh, good morning, volume is low. Uh, how about volume for everybody else? Anybody? You're coming good, Pastor. Okay, great. Sound good to me. Thank you, Jesse. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, Colleen, if you'll click on there, you may be able to turn up the percentage on my audio, and then uh, you could probably turn my volume up. Um, that might be helpful for you. Well, let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Again, uh, we're grateful to have you, and uh, we are continuing our study in the book of Jonah. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, the privilege of prayer, the privilege of your word, for it is sufficient. It is uh, what transforms lives, and so help us uh, to faithfully proclaim the, the good news of Jesus Christ, the word of God, so that you might change our hearts, that we might be renewed, that we might be regenerated, born again, justified, and ultimately in the end glorified for your glory. We ask these things in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, this week we're going to continue uh, a week five in the book of Jonah. I pray you've been blessed. I pray you've learned from this prophet, this missionary, this preacher. We've seen a lot of areas that we could all improve in, I feel certain, within our walks with Christ, within our relationship with God. And this week, we're going to be looking at chapter three of Jonah. But before we go there, I want to give you a recap of where we've been. Maybe you're joining us. You haven't uh, listen to any of the Jonah messages, one, two, three, and four, and and uh, uh, we'll have the admin post my Linktree account, and there you can uh, click on that link, go to Buzzsprout, and there you'll find all of the sermons via audio that you can download, um, and you can listen to lessons one to four there, and then I will post lesson five today as well. Uh, but nevertheless, we are grateful that you are here, and I want to bring you up to speed for those that have not been a part of this study thus far. We've talked about, and I hope, and you've learned different things that uh, will encourage you in your walk with Christ right up uh, to our text this morning. Remember our outline of Jonah. We've looked now at five weeks, and I want to make sure that next time someone is going through something or a difficult time or a struggle with things in life, that the book of Jonah will, will speak out loud to you. 
uh, that God will bring to your remembrance the book of Jonah and its outline so that you can point them in the right direction in the Word of God. So chapter 1, 1 to 3, we see Jonah on the dry land disobeying God. That was where we began uh, as we looked and we uh, tried to understand and grasp those great details. Chapter 1, verse 4 to chapter 1, verse 17, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And then in chapter 2, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 10, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with God. And then in chapter 3 and 4, we see Jonah on the land obeying God. The contrast that we have noticed, that we've seen within this outline, I want you to be reminded of, is disobeying gives way to fighting. When you disobey God, it gives way to fighting against the will and the actions of God. But rather, pleading with God gives way to obedience. So we we have learned you can't run from God or His calling in your life. And you can, but when you do, be weary, storms may come. Many of you this morning who are listening may be walking through some very difficult times because you have been disobedient or running away from God and His call on your life. We've learned that praying to some created God that isn't a real God, that's a lowercase g God, will not help you in your time of need. No, you need the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh, God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We've learned that we must develop a healthy fear, a healthy reliability, and a healthy worship of God. And then we learn that we must pray. We we need to have a steady prayer life, praying in times of need, prayer with obedient minds, and prayer with anticipation. I had a gentleman that I met with that was walking through some difficult times, not because of anything that Um, was a surprise, but maybe so much more so because he's put himself in a bad situation and now he's got to pay the consequences. And uh, my, my encouragement to him was prepare for the worst, but pray for the best with anticipation that God is able and God could if he decided to. And we need to be able to do that. We need to prayer with anticipation. We need to pray to Almighty God with anticipation that he is going to do something amazing for His glory. Not for your glory, not to get you out of trouble, but for His glory. Last week, we looked at Jonah's prayer. We saw a different prayer than what maybe you would have expected. At least I thought I would have saw a prayer of of repentance, but instead we saw a prayer of thanksgiving. Jonah had high expectations, didn't he, of God? And, And he had a confidence within the belly of that great fish. And when Jonah got as low as low could get, God began to get through to him. You see, God had called him to go to Nineveh, but he went down to to Tarshish. He went down into that boat. He went down into the bottom of the boat, and then he went down into the bottom of the sea into the belly of a fish. He went as far and as low as low could go. This week, we see Jonah. He is now willing to obey God's word. He is now willing to hear what God has to say because his life has gotten to the point where he has no other choice. 
And many times when we get as low as we can, the only thing we can do is when we're on our back, we can look up. And so this morning, if you were in the low part of your life, if you were in the difficult circumstances, I want you to realize it's time to look up, hear what God has to say, obey what God has to say, submit to a sovereign God who is able to deliver, to, to take care, and to, to fix your issue for his glory. So let's turn with us, uh, turn with me into our text, Jonah chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 10. Now it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Now remember, Jonah's been in the belly of the fish. And when he had prayed, the, the Bible tells us that the great fish spit him out on dry land. And here we see a second chance, so to speak. God calls him, Arise, go to Nineveh, and proclaim the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly a, a, an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he began to cry out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth, and set on ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. Let men call on God, capital G God, earnestly with each may, and that earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way from the violence which is in his hands. In verse 9, who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they had turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them and did and he did not do it there's a lot going on in this text but there are really three things that i want you to see from the text this morning number 1 i want you to see god speaking to jonah secondly i want you to see god speaking to nineveh and thirdly, I want you to see God responding to Nineveh's ways. God's responding to Nineveh's ways. So here, and as although we read throughout the book of Jonah, we see God in his sovereignty is so clear. God is in absolute control. No matter how bad things are, 
in Nineveh, no matter how bad or wicked the people are, no matter how far Jonah tries to run, I want you to understand that God is sovereign and he is absolutely in control and he is able to make things do as he pleases. Why? Because he is Lord and we are not. Chapter one, we see this great storm that God created and he stopped the storm on a dime. And then he makes this great fish swallow Jonah up before he drowns in the ocean. And in chapter 2, we see God making this great fish not only swallow him up and protect his life, but now he calls this fish to spit him out on dry land. Not spitting him out into the ocean, but on dry land. There is no doubt that God is working something out here in the life of Jonah. And here in our first point, we see God speaking to Jonah. Really nothing new here. We see God speaking to his people throughout the Bible. And just like in our first message on Jonah, we saw God speaking to Jonah. So we saw that God spoke today even to us through his word. That could be through the reading of his word. That could be through the preaching of his word. That could be through the teaching of his word. The important thing for you and I to understand is that God still speaks. He doesn't speak verbally. You know, it always concerns me when someone comes to me and they tell me, God told me to tell you this. I tell you like I tell my kids. What do you mean God told you? Because if God speaks verbally to you, thus you in return speak to me that which God has spoken to you, then your words, your testimony is equal to the word of God. And I would suggest that is not the case. God spoke differently in the Old Testament than he speaks in the New Testament. God speaks to us today through his living and active word. If you want to hear from God, my encouragement for you is to open your Bible and read it because that is the way which God speaks to us. He has given everything in his word pertaining to life and to godliness. And thus, he wants you to hear what he has to say. God's word, my friend, is still alive and still active, and he speaks to the deepest parts of our soul. That is why when we preach the word to the people in the church, people get convicted. It's not that I'm saying anything that should convict you. It's the word of God that is sharper than a double-edged sword that's piercing, right? It's the word of God. That's why Jesus has sanctified them in thy truth. Thy word is true. Some have said comments like this. Someone must have told pastor about my past. 
I remember having visitors in church and I would preach a message and they would be frustrated with their parents because I would come to find out they would never return back to church because they were convinced that their parents had told me all of their issues and I had no clue about what was going on. And that is, my friend, the conviction of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of his word. I don't police preach, at least not most of the time intentionally. It's God's way of talking to you. God's way of pointing out things in your life that he may want you to change. So there is no intention when I get in the pulpit or behind the microphone to preach the word of God. I simply want to permeate the word and let the spirit of God work through the word of God and transform your life to convict your heart so that God Almighty through his word can change your soul. And he can sanctify you and grow you in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Isn't it a wonderful blessing to know that God still talks to us through his word? Well, in our text this morning, we see God, and God is speaking to Jonah again. He says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it a proclamation which I am going to tell you. Just like in chapter one, God calls Jonah again to arise and go. Where? To Nineveh. The same place he had already told him to go. Now, listen, I don't know where Tarsus is, but I know that Joppa is on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. And since Jonah got into a boat in the Mediterranean, I would have to believe that when Jonah got spit out of the great fish on dry land, the dry land was there on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. And so Jonah is standing there on the shoreline of wherever he is, and God speaks to him again, giving Jonah a very similar instruction, but yet different. Let's compare the two. Look at verse or chapter 1 and verses 2. He says this, Arise, go to Nineveh the great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. And in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Arise, same thing, go to Nineveh, the great city, same thing, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. In verse 2, God says, Cry against it. In chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. The first time God gives him broad instruction. He doesn't really specify what to say, at least from what we can see in the text. The second time, God gives him specific instruction. You remember in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 3, God is about to select for him a, a, himself a king to replace Saul, and God tells Samuel what? You shall invite Jesse, in verse 3, to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. You don't get to choose. I'll choose, and I'll tell you who it is. He doesn't leave Samuel confused. God was specific, and that's the reality. And here God 
is being very specific. God gave him broad instructions before, but now God wants Jonah to go, and God is going to tell him just what he is to say. Proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Not what you think they need to hear, not withholding anything that they need to hear, but just exactly what I'm going to tell you. I love this because he doesn't leave it up to Jonah. No, God is going to take care of what God is going to do. He simply wants him to be the mouthpiece by which God will be and his word revealed. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I feel as if God has given me things in my message to talk about. They may be hard to deal with, but the Lord is my boss, and I'll speak the truth that he gives to me through his proclamation, through his word, and that's what it is. It is what it is. We don't get to choose what we say. That's why I love uh, expositional preaching, verse by verse, book by book, because I don't get to just tickle your ears with the good stuff. No, I get to talk about the hard stuff. And sometimes I'm sitting in my office and I'm going across a passage and I'm like, are you kidding me, God? If I say this right now with the political climate, with this cultural relevant circumstances for which we find ourselves in, people are going to absolutely pop a fuse. But when it's time to say it, it's time to say it. God's word is always best when it's said no matter when the timing is. So the reality is, is what we don't need is new truths. What we don't need is new revelation. What we don't need is anything extra. What we need is the living and active Word of God. And if you are out there and you're seeking for some new revelation, some some hidden book, some hidden agenda, some hidden secret that's going to transform your eyes to be open, let me remind you that God has spoken to us through His living and active Word. All 66 books of the Bible are the living and active Word of God. Are you obedient to them? Because if it's new, it ain't true. That's a reality. So God told Noah just what he was to do. Listen, a proper response to the proclamations of God should be just as we see here in Jonah 3.3, not like we saw in Jonah 1.3. Listen to what he says. God speaks. He gives direction. In verse 3, he says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Boom. Done. Get up and go. You better bet he's going to get up and go. Why? Because he's been in the belly of a fish. He learned from his mistakes, didn't he? Chapter 1, we see a disobedient response to God's direction to go to Nineveh. And here we see a changed man. We see a man that is now seeming to be listening and following God's direction. One that is in prayer and pleading with God. One that is now submitting to the sovereign will of the Father for his life. So he arose and he went to Nineveh. 
Now, last week we talked about pleading and praying with the Lord, and I wonder just how many of us did that this week. You know, sometimes we sit here, we listen for an hour, and then we go back to our daily routines, and we get just back in the wrap of things, and we forget everything we've learned. Have you been in prayer this week? Some of you have taken the challenge of pleading and praying, and God has, through His Word, spoken to your heart to do something, and you've did it. You ought to be very excited about that. God will continue to guide you and direct you. You simply need to trust in Him, not yourself, not in your circumstances, not in your situation. The sovereign God is able to guide and direct for His glory. It is never about you. It is never about what you can accomplish. It's always about what God can accomplish through you for His glory. So Jonah makes it now to Nineveh. And we are told that this great city, about this great city, in the passage, it's called exceedingly great. He says, now Nineveh was exceedingly an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Now, there's a question about this three-day walk of just what is meant here and without adding to what God intended for it to mean, we know that it is a large city, great in size. And Jonah, out of directions from God, walks into Nineveh one day, a one-day's walk, maybe to a populated place, maybe into the most well-known place in Nineveh. We, we don't know while he went a one-day's walk, but what we know is that he is now in Nineveh, and while there, it says he cried out. You know, maybe he made it in, to Nineveh and was waiting on God to tell him what to say, and instead of just going out on his own and telling them something that God had not spoken, he just walked and walked and walked and waited, and in day one, God spoke. Because here's the deal. We think our timing is always best, but you know our timing and God's timings are not the same. God knows when things need to happen. And I know everybody in this room wants God to do something in the now. But God isn't on your time frame. God isn't on my time frame. What I want to see accomplished in six months, God may take six years because He is sovereign and He knows all things for His glory. He's going to do it His way. I really feel in my heart that God wanted me to say this. And I don't know who it's for. But the Lord wants you, my friend, to wait on Him. Stop trying to accomplish your agenda and rely on God to accomplish His agenda in His timing. His ways are higher than your ways, my friend. We've seen Jonah receive the proclamation in which he was to proclaim to Nineveh. And now, and it says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. No great news. It ain't looking good for the home team. Nineveh seems to be in a bad pinch. Forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Listen, we see God speaking to Jonah, and Jonah responded well. But secondly, I want you to see here that 
God speaking to Nineveh. God was speaking to Nineveh through the prophet, through the messenger, through the missionary, through the man Jonah. God made it clear that Jonah was only to speak that which God had given to him. And I believe that what we see Jonah doing, he cried out to Nineveh that which God told him, and therefore it is as good as God speaking to them through the prophet. So we see God speaking to Nineveh through Jonah. Verse 5, then the people of Nineveh believed in God. Don't you wish it was that easy for America? And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Listen, I know we think we live in a bad, 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 bad country, but let me remind you, Nineveh was a terrible place. The people were horrific. And yet, they repented. I think that this is great. I think it's wonderful encouragement to see a place such as Nineveh believe in the, in the promises of God that he was going to overthrow them. You could read this passage like this. The pe then the people of Nineveh believed what God had said through Jonah. This doesn't mean they, they didn't repent because the things they did sure makes it look like they repented. They called a fast. They intentionally didn't eat for the purpose of drawing closer to God. They put on sackcloth and ashes from the greatest to the least. We see a picture of this very same idea in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 30, as the king put on sackcloth as a sign of, of distress at his people's suffering. The things they are doing really show that they believed the words of Jonah. They believed God, and their belief was shown by their actions. Listen, our actions reveal just how much we believe. Listen, it's no mistake that our country does not believe in God. We live like a people with unclean lips in America and without repentance. This country is not following God. And even those who profess Christ are not following God. It's, it's really bad that the unbelievers are living in habitual sin, but that's expected. What's bad is when the quote-unquote body of Christ is living like hell. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a generation of confused people who think they know much about the Bible, but they don't know the man of the Bible. So they'll talk about everything, about vibrations, about these decoding things and this and that, but they will never talk about that which has authority, and it is the living and active Word of God. They want everything else. They want the book of this and the book of that and the book of this. When they fail to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are seeking fame. They are seeking fortune. They're seeking everything but the glory of God for their life, and they are living without repentance, and they have justified their sin as a Christian let me remind you, my friends, it's one thing to say you're a Christian. It's another thing to live it. It's easy to talk the talk. It's another to walk the walk. Listen, make no mistake that our country is not a godly country. 
It isn't a country that believes in God. If you've bought that lie, you're a fool and you're blind. We've got a false Christianity in our day. Listen, the, the way is narrow that leads to life. Don't be fooled. There's more going down than there's going up, my friends. And if that's the case, you better bet there's more evil than there is good. This country is not following God. And those who profess Christ within the churches in America, within the streets of everyday life, live their life without repentance. Oh, you better bet we can learn from these people, Nineveh, because God is not a God that will be mocked. Wake up, America. Wake up because God is on his throne and he will not be mocked. If we as a country don't stop relying on man, trying to decide which person will turn this country around, rather instead looking in the mirror and starting in your own life and repent of your own sin rather than you beating down everybody else because of their sin, listen to me very clearly. God will pour out his wrath and judgment. Don't you see? We are the ones it starts with. You. Not him, not her, you, not this political party, not that political party, you. Not some fallen president that has no control over the people of this country. Daniel tells us that God puts people into leadership. Who do you believe is in control? God is. And thus, if God wants a wicked president, guess what? He'll put in a wicked president. He'll accomplish what he wants because he is sovereign. Nineveh started to change. But the change began within the people of Nineveh, not the king. I'm tired of not fighting for what is right. And if I could tell every Christian in America to stop spending your time, your money, and your efforts on electing some man to run this country, I would start investing into the kingdom of God, my friend. Because the gospel needs to be permeated. If you want to hear more promises from a man, I think I'm going to get sick. Donald Trump isn't your savior. Did you hear me? He isn't your savior. He is just like you, and he is just like me, and he puts his pants on the same way, and he is sinful, fallen short of the glory of God, just like you and me. He is not a savior. He might be the president you want or you voted for, like I did, but nevertheless, I trust that God is in control. The, the election was stolen. Maybe it was, but don't you think that God could have stopped it? Maybe God's trying to wake us up. Maybe God wants us to walk through these days so that you can see your need for a Savior, not a leader. The reality is this. Maybe God will, in His mercy, tell us, America, 40 more days and you will be overthrown. What would you do? I don't think many of us would believe God. Let me remind you, God will not withhold judgment from a people that are living their lives as Assyrians. We have become a modern-day Assyria, my friends. 
And we better start heeding the warnings of God in America because we are headed in the wrong direction. We as a nation are running from God, and there will be a storm, and God will not let it go unattended. If we don't stop killing the innocent through abortion, if we don't stop approving homosexuality in the nation as also behind the pulpit of the Church of America for the sake of being politically correct, you better bet God will pour out his wrath and judgment. If we don't stop producing films that dishonor God and degrading the women of this world and telling women there's something more important than raising children, how dare us? If we don't stop lashing out in anger and killing people with our tongues and killing people in our own streets and in the classroom and in the public school system, boy, God ain't going to hold back a bit. If we don't stop trying to pretend that God we worship is the same God that the Muslims worship like Rick Warren. Oh my word, God is going to have a heyday when he comes back. If we don't stop making promises to people that God didn't make to people, like so many popular television preachers, oh, things are going to get better. Oh, the president's going to come back. Let me remind you, I don't care what man says. What does the word of God say? You better start listening to the word of God and don't twist the word of God so you can accomplish what you think is going to happen. If we don't stop teaching false doctrine and political-driven messages that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he is going to be quite upset, which I believe he is. We have to stop teaching the social gospel, that you can work your way. God will judge us, my friends. Make no mistake, it's coming. And unless it begins with the household of God turning their eyes back to the uh, perfecter and author of faith, Jesus Christ, he will pour out his wrath and judgment, and it will be too late. But it starts today. Starts with you. Starts with me. Starts some of us pointing people to Christ. Not someone leading this country. One man can't fix this problem. This is a sin problem, my friends. But we, the Christians of this world, stand together for the cause of Christ. When we start loving one another, as Jesus tells us, this is my commandment, that you love one another. How? The way I loved you, by giving my life up as a ransom and a sacrifice that you might have life. When we start loving one another by telling them the truth, not your created truth, not your opinion, not your theories, the truth, sanctify them in thy truth, your word is truth, then and only then will you see a godly leader in this country. You see, people of Nineveh are the ones that started this revival. It's the people who started the revival, not the king. from the least to the greatest, from the richest to the poorest, from the city to the suburbs, from the subdivision to the trailer parks, from the strongest to the weakest. They all did it. And then and only then did the king hear about it. When the word reached the king, verse 6 of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and set on ashes. The message wasn't delivered to the man in charge. It was delivered to we the people. And we the people responded in repentance. 
Guys, hear me. It begins with the household of God. The government that God intended to stand against evil is evil itself. And it's evil itself because we, the people, have selected a president. There is more evil in this world, and therefore you better bet the evil will reign. But God always uses the minority. He always uses the weakest to destroy the strong, but it will begin with the household of God standing up in repentance, asking God to forgive us, me, you, as individuals first, repenting that we have idolized this nation. We have idolized leaders. We have idolized humanity when what we should have done is love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Didn't start with the king. Started with the people. Verse 7, he issued a proclamation. And it said in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. Let man call on God earnestly. Each may turn from his wicked ways. Each, you, me, may turn, that's repentance, from the violence which is in our hands, which may be on our tongues, which may be in our hearts. Who knows? Verse 9. Who knows? God may turn. God may relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. God will judge sin. The wages of sin is death, my friend. It's always death. God will make his judgment. But if you repent, and if I repent, who knows? God may relent. But it begins with you and me. The change started in the streets and reached out from there to the king. And then he repented after hearing the word of the Lord. Not only did the king repent, turned from his wicked ways, he issued a proclamation. His proclamation was not to the wild animals, but to those under the control of the keeper. But with that said, they were to fast as well. They went as far as to make even the animals wear sackcloth. They didn't want to be overthrown. They, they, they believed God. You know, the problem in our country is we don't believe God. We have made God this cosmic being that, that they deny. But Romans chapter 1 says, only the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Why? Because he has made it evident to them. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have been made known so that they are without excuse. Listen, they have, they have rejected the truth in unrighteousness. We better start believing in God. Asking God to forgive us. Why does it take so much pressure before we listen to God? 
Why does it take all of these devastating circumstances for us to see the wickedness of man? Why does it take catastrophe before we perk our ears and turn our eyes to the Lord? The king told them that they were to each turn from their wicked ways and from the violence of their hand. They know that only God could save them. And I promise you, until every follower of Jesus Christ, the church, the universal body of Christ, until they understand that only God can save this nation and the people, things will continue down the road they're continuing because it's where some are today. It will have to be bad before you get it. But my prayer is that whatever it takes to get your eyes open and turn back to God, let God's will be done. We were a Christian nation years ago but we are far from that now because we have let the enemy settle within our country, within our state, within our county, within our neighborhood, within our schools, even within our churches. And God forbid, even in your home. Things have to get bad before some people will come back to the Lord. It took Jonah being in the belly of the fish, didn't it? Nineveh had to hear of it. And if we don't start praying to God that he changes this country, starting with us as believers, we may end up going through some really hard times and maybe even a major judgment from Almighty God. God spoke to Jonah. And he listened. God spoke to Nineveh, and they listened. How about us? God has spoken to us through his word. God has spoken to this nation through his living and active word. Will we listen? Nineveh did these things so that God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that they may not perish. We need the same thing in our country. Starting right here in each one of us. You and I are the ones that must start this revival within our country. Now, I know there's only 60 people present in this chat. It's kind of sad with 8,000 subscribers, a message that needs to be heard across the globe. There's 64 people. But have no fear. God is able because God speaks through his word. And there are many faithful preachers who are speaking his word. Doesn't matter about who's heard and who hasn't heard. 
if we spread the word, maybe the king will get the message and God will turn his heart. We see God speaking to Jonah. We see God speaking to Nineveh. Thirdly and finally, I want you to see God responding to Nineveh's ways. Remember, God said that he wanted Jonah to cry out against Nineveh, and that's what he did, but something happened after the fact. Once Jonah gave God's message to Nineveh, they responded by repenting, and here we see the great mercy and grace of God. Verse 10, when God saw their deeds, they turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Listen, God is watching how we respond. Every person that listens to this message will have an opportunity to respond. You can remain the same or you can ask Christ to change you, to make you into a godly person that is willing to stand up for the truth of his word. Listen, as your pastor, listen, I can't do it alone. I am but one. But with hundreds of Christians, well, we have a lot more ability. Listen, 60 to 70% of American people claim to be Christians. The population was roughly around 311 million. 591,917 people in the United States. If 65% of those claim to be Christians, that's 202 million and a half people. And we are not a Christian nation. Our leaders are not Christians. And if they're Christians, they look different <laughs> than what Christians look. Listen, the reality is it begins with the Christians in this nation. If they'll start standing on the things of God, let us repent as a nation and turn back to God before it's too late. This is something we need to do so that God may relent concerning the calamity that awaits this nation. It's coming. God has historically punished wickedness. And if he doesn't do something soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because we have become a very wicked nation. See, what happened, God notices. He sees the change in the people's lives. And that's what's happened in Nineveh. He says he saw all that they did and he did not do it. God changed his mind. We saw it with Moses as he prayed for his people. God changed his mind. He had mercy on them, and he had mercy on Nineveh. Praise God that he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, God's way of providing mercy and grace to each of us. We may not ever become a Christian nation again, but I know the end result, my friend. And this nation can go down into the pits of a fiery hell. But for those that are in Jesus Christ with all the powers of hell, let me remind you, they can't conquer us because we are in Christ. And I hope that this nation will relent and that God will have mercy. We are not doing well, though. 
We will fight battles over silly things that have no eternal value, but yet we will allow issues to continue that should be worth dying for. So let us live lives that bring honor to God. Be representatives of Christ in what you do so that you and I might experience God's relent against this great nation. And for those that have never put their faith in Jesus Christ, let me remind you, my friend, you have no hope without a Savior. And the only Savior that has ever been offered is Jesus Christ. May you receive the gift of eternal life through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you understand you have broken the law of God. Like Nineveh, you are headed to absolute destruction. And God has provided a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, that if you will put your faith in Him, you will be delivered. Just like if they would put their faith in the message of God for deliverance that Jonah brought, so they too might be delivered. You, if you put your faith in Christ, will be delivered because God promises whoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. What's holding you back from putting your faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, and turning back to God? Today is the day of salvation, my friends. May God bless you, and may God deliver us from this wicked people. Father, we thank you. We ask you bless this day, these words. May you transform our hearts, and may you relent against the wickedness that our nation has become. And may you forgive us, draw man to yourself, that you might be glorified. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.